Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. Today's show will feature interviews with ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen and NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Visit FSPN.net for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, here's Roman Gabriel III. Oh, welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk. And coming in with us uh, tonight, uh, a friend and uh, a guy who started a revolution. And uh, we have a mutual friend. His name's Chris Berman at ESPN, one of the great announcers that retired this year. And he said it best about this man, uh, that he's the George Washington of ESPN. And back in 1979, he started a revolution with the original Sports Center as the first president and the founder of ESPN, Bill Rasmussen. Bill, great to have you on Sold Out. Thanks, Roman. Great to be with you. Always exciting. And, uh, Bill, you know, as I, as I look over, and, and you and I have talked uh, quite, a, quite a bit here in the last year, and I've uh, researched you, and, uh, but here's, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. How does a guy now, uh, you know, in, in the, uh, I guess, the, the classic part of his life, I'll say that, uh, who's accomplished so much, when you look back now, Bill, and people say things like USA Today, recognized as one of the champions, pioneers, and innovators in sports business. Uh, when, you, when you look at Sports Illustrated, one of 40 individuals who altered and elevated the world of sports in the second half of the 20th century, how does that make you feel now, and, and, and what's the response to that? Well, you know, I'm, I, I'm always kind of surprised. I mean, I just was interested in sports from the time that I was, I guess, even before I went to the first grade, and and uh, it, I'm I'm excited when people offer all of these kind words. But really, uh, I like to think that I'm the same guy. I'm I'm uh, somewhat surprised uh, when somebody comes up and says, "Wow," you know, and and it's rather interesting when people come up to me and say, "Gee, I'd like to," you know, "Can I do a selfie with you?" <laughs> so fun, <laughs> which certainly wasn't around back when we were starting ESPN, but. My entire life, I, I guess, maybe it's the generation, Roman. I've just assumed that we all try to do our best, and lots of good things happen. We started started my first company in uh, Newark, New Jersey in 1959, an advertising service company that stayed around for 50 years, provided a lot of jobs for a lot of people and a lot of good service for many of the major uh, companies in America. And, uh, you know, it was great. I enjoy accomplishing what I set out to do. And when it came to ESPN, it was in my, I guess if you, if I think back, I never ever even thought that it would fail. I mean, it was just too good an idea and we just had to find the right investors and the right people to work. And fortunately that all happened. Not easily. The first seven investors said we were crazy, but that's okay. They might've had a point uh, as far as trying to alter the TV landscape, but, when I look back at it all, I'm I'm proud of the things that have happened, and uh, but I'm not overly excited. I I, I kind of keep a low profile, actually. Bill Rasmus is with his first president and the founder of ESPN. And uh, Bill, how does a guy with a business degree, you know, a Chicago, Illinois guy, 
uh, go from being a successful businessman to the world of play-by-play sports? How, how in the world does that happen? And, and, of course, back then it was a pioneer thing. I mean, radio was the way that people got their sports and got their uh, their favorite teams. So how does, a, how does a guy go from business to the, the booth? Well, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. I had always I, – when I was growing up, just as many young kids, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, and and millions of kids do, I was going to play third base, and I was in Chicago, so I was going to play third base for the White Sox. Well, the Korean War happened the very day I graduated from high school, and so that ended that. And by the time I got out of the service, uh, you know, in my mid twenties, much too much too old to even think about baseball anymore. And I went to work at Westinghouse, and and uh, they had a problem, and I offered to resign and set up a new company for handling that problem, the distribution of advertising materials. But I never lost the idea that I wanted to be involved in sports. So I stayed with that company for about three years and looking through a broadcasting magazine. Cable television wasn't around at the time, but it was really just getting started. But anyway, it was a company in Rhode Island, uh, put a little two-line ad in that sportscast, looking for sportscaster, here's the phone number. So I called. (laughs) <laughs> and said, uh, I'd like to come up. The gentleman said, sure, come on up. So when I got there, he said, uh, well, did you bring a tape? And I said, no. And he said, well, what, what stations have you worked for? What experience? And I said, I've never worked in radio. And he said, but you, you told me you responded to my ad for a sportscaster. And I said, sure. And he said, well, why would I hire you? I said, because I can do it. And he looked at me for a long second and said, <laughs> You know what? I'm putting a new station on the air in Amherst, Massachusetts, and if you'll go up there and help me get that on the air, you're my sportscaster. Sight unseen. Never heard me. And the interesting thing is when I went up and worked for three months to get the station on the air with them, and on April 1st, 1963, we went on the air, and the first words I ever uttered on radio as a sportscaster were live at morning. <laughs> and uh, oddly enough, I wasn't even nervous with I guess this is a testament. I must have been doing it in my head enough times that I was convinced I could do it. I convinced him I could do it, and, and from there it just took off. And two years later, I was doing television, and and the rest is history, as they say. Bill Rasmussen is with us, uh, first president and the uh, founder of ESPN. And uh, you jumping ahead, uh, June of '78, you were working for the New England Whalers of the World Hockey Association. You'd Worked your way up, and uh, for a guy who was a baseball guy, Bill, uh, what what was what was the situation in terms of transitioning to hockey or being involved with a hockey hockey uh, team? Well, I first learned to skate when I was like, I guess, five years old. I had kids playing hockey, and I was actually refereeing hockey, uh, amateur hockey. And so, in 1950, uh, I'm sorry, in the mid 1960s. 64, 65, 66, and 7, right up through the expansion of the National Hockey League, which brought uh, Jack Kent Cook and the Los Angeles team into the uh, into the hockey business. I had been broadcasting hockey and also refereeing, so it was a, an easy transition to go to the World Hockey Association. As a matter of fact, they they had their own problems starting out, and uh, their their first playoff season or one of their seasons i guess maybe it was the second year they wanted to they were sharing the boston garden with the bruins but the bruins didn't really and the national hockey league didn't really want the wha around and so they gave them 
playoff game times like uh, 2.45 on Thursday afternoon. You didn't have a playoff game. <laughs> Not exactly what they wanted. So they came out to the Springfield area. They wanted to move to Hartford eventually, which is what they did. But they played the, that playoff series. They came to uh, the Springfield Coliseum in West Springfield, Massachusetts. And I approached Howard Baldwin and said I'd do his games for him. I'd sell the advertising, cover all my expenses, and do the games. And he said, that's the deal. And so I did it. And then when they moved to Hartford, he hired me to do it full-time. I became a full-time employee. 19. 70, probably 76 or 7, somewhere. Well, Bill, you're sitting, you're sitting in a car, and I've heard this story, but, I, but I, really, I really want to know because there are millions of guys like me who are really excited that on one day you were sitting in your car uh, talking about and thinking about the idea of a 24-hour sports station uh, with your son, Scott. Uh, how, how in the world could you have that big of a vision at that time with as small as sports television was? Because if people in our generation remember, you know, most of the time if you turned on the news, you got two or three minutes of sports. If you were lucky and if there was a weather story, they shrunk that. Uh, there was only uh, limited sports available on television. Of course, it was still dominated by radio. So how, how, how did you come up with this vision and how did this vision turn into it? Well, we actually, after I got fired on Memorial Day weekend, we began talking about what we could do in the state of Connecticut, what we could. You know, uh, UConn basketball was big. There was no Big East at that time. But UConn and Yale and Fairfield and Southern Connecticut, these are not names exactly on the, on the front burner today, but we thought we could put this network together in just in the state of Connecticut with cable systems or five cable systems, and so we called the phone company and said, how can you hook these guys together so we can do a game? And he said, well, we'll have to do a little site survey, and we'll have to do some study, and we'll get back to you. And I said, well, how long is that going to take? I thought it was maybe by tomorrow noon, you know. Mr. Impatience, I've just been tired. He said, well, for this kind of a thing, it might take us as much as 18 months, which I still don't understand. But anyway, I went back to talking to a gentleman that was with which one was it? United Cable in Plainville, Connecticut. Jim Dolby, and he said, you know, I don't know very much about this, but there's a satellite that RCA is talking about that I think you can do a lot of interesting things with, including, as it turned out, obviously cover the entire United States or most of the North American continent. So when he said that, and he said, well, I'll get you a phone number. Why don't you call him in New York? And so I called. And uh, went right through to the satellite sales department, and they were having a tough time selling things. And what we didn't know, RCA was looking for a partner to do a 24-hour network. Wow. RCA America. I didn't find that out until many months later. But when I said that I had this idea for sports all over Connecticut, but I, was, I heard that we might be able to do it in a much wider range, the salesperson, gentleman by the name of Al Perinello, said, you're right. Where where are you in Connecticut? I told him where we were, and he said, I'll see you tomorrow morning. He came up and laid out the plan, and I remember that was in early July. And we said, okay, and we decided that we would do sports. We didn't we didn't think sports specific. I mean, it wasn't like what, what happened on August 16th when we were stuck in a car. We were just saying, how do we fill all this time? And, you know, time is, is, is how quickly... Time goes by on television, but it was 8,760 hours of programming. Wow. 
and the big networks, all three networks were only doing about thirteen hundred hours between them. And so we start, we were talking every day about what to do, and suddenly we were going to my daughter's birthday, sixteenth birthday party. She was working at a restaurant, a resort town down in New Jersey, Ocean Grove, and and uh, all of a sudden we're stuck in this traffic jam near Waterbury, Connecticut. And we kept asking the question every day, every day, you know, what are we going to, where are we going to find all these sports? What are we going to do? And that day, it, the, the light bulb went on. We'd do NCAA football, although we'd have to do it on tape delay. We couldn't do any NCAA live football until 1984. But then we thought, well, if we can do NCAA football, what about basketball? What about baseball? What about hockey? And so on. And before you knew it, we were putting this whole thing together, wow. and we came up and we said, "Let's do a half-hour sports show." And I remember, and you'll you'll enjoy this, and you'll remember those days. <laughs> the Big Three Networks had the evening news at six thirty, and they had ninety-three percent of the audience viewing audience. And we said, "Well, we're going to do a half-hour sports show. Never mind the regular. You know, you get all your news from them. We'll do a half-hour sports show." And of course, that was met with, "You're going to do what?" <laughs> That's never going to work. It will never work. Who's going to Now notice Sports Center, right? I said, yeah. I said the other seven percent are going to watch. Well, they watched, and boy, has it ever. Sports Center is. I think it's the longest. Uh, there's some number coming up. I don't know which edition of the, of the production it is. It's fifty or sixty thousand. There's some odd number of shows coming up. Wow. The longest running, continuous running television show in the history. Of course, it Bill, has to be because. Bill Rasmus is with us, founder of ESPN. Bill, uh, quick things, some quick answers in these fat last two two minutes and thirty seconds or so. Uh, mm-hmm. What what was the what was the emotion on the first Sports Center where you sat there and you announced this network? Unbelievable! It was exciting. It was uh, frightening. We were all tired because we'd been working tirelessly. We guaranteed we'd be on the air at seven o'clock that night. And we went on the air at 7 o'clock Friday night, September 7th, went all the way through to Monday morning, and we were the first ever television station, television presentation, not to put up the dreaded test pattern come 1 o'clock in the morning. We went yeah. right around the clock. It was exciting. And tell me tell me about uh, today, what do you think the biggest contribution of ESPN has been to the sports market now in terms of looking back? I know that's a big question, but just quickly. Well, I, I think, first of all, I think there are a lot of, professional players who enjoy the, the uh, added uh, rights fees that come in and the salaries, the way they've escalated since the mid-70s with Marvin Miller and several other people along the way, and free agency and so on. The uh, ability to do so many games so economically uh, has just just been amazing. It, it, all, it, it all comes out of the fans. If the fans hadn't supported it, if the fans weren't hungry for sports, ESPN would not have been a success. About one minute, Bill, um, and this is important for me because this show is all about making an impact on people. How has your position over the years allowed you to touch other people? Well, I always call them the magic four letters. Uh, A lot of people want to hear about the story of ESPN, but reaching young people, reaching business schools, reaching classes and communications, even high school kids write to me and sixth graders write to me. They're inspired by the idea of being able to do sports in their life and how can we make it our life's work. And uh, whenever I can help them do that, 
I, I consider it if I go to a place and speak and just one kid walks out the back door and says, I've been inspired enough to go do this, I'm, gonna, I, I'm pleased. Bill Rasmussen with us, uh, final seconds. And uh, let you know that Bill's going to be back at his alma mater, DePaul, and uh, it'll be the Ubin Lecture on November 8th. He'll be at the school uh, ready to take questions and ready to talk to students. So uh, if you're up there, make sure you look him up and look him up on Twitter at Bill Rasmussen. And, Bill, want to have you back on. It goes by so quick, but thank you so much for being on Sold Out. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Roman. Always a pleasure. You're listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Visit FSPN.net for all things faith, family, and sports. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, once again, here's Roman Gabriel III. Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk on AFR Talk. One of the great quarterbacks in the NFL a guy that uh, just absolutely was exciting to watch anytime he went out of the field. He's now with the Seattle Seahawks, believe it or not, doing color for them. And he's got so many other things. Also, uh, for many years, you know, just we talked about this, just the, the evolution of the black quarterback in the NFL. And, of course, you're one of those people, along with Shaq Harris, along, along with so many others, Marlon Briscoe. Uh, unbelievable what's happened in the NFL, uh, Warren. It has to make you very happy to see. It's one of the things I'm most proud of in my career was the fact that I was able to help make change uh, at, a, at a position called quarterback where they didn't think we could play that position, African-American. So there was a lot of stereotypes out there about whether we could play that position. And uh, because of the way I was able to play, the way that Doug Williams was able to play, the way that Randall Cunningham was able to play at a very, very high level, I think it really changed the minds of, of a lot of owners, a lot of coaches, a lot of personnel people that, it doesn't matter what color you are. If you can play the game, we're going to give you an opportunity to play. And you're seeing lots of guys now getting opportunities to do that. You saw Cam Newton up close and personal twice this year. Give me your, give me your feeling about Cam. He's really uh, improved, and uh, he's a, a, a very uh, he's a tremendous athlete. First of all, he's a big physical guy at six five, two fifty five. He's got great skills. Throws the football like a laser. He's a, a really good quarterback from the pocket now something that he had to work on in his first few years in the league uh, but he has really good command of his offense right now and, and they've built an offense uh, Mike Shuler their offensive coordinator that's really taking advantage of all the different things that he can do and and that's what you want to try and do when you have a player or a quarterback is make sure you take advantage of the things he does well and they're 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 utilizing the things he does well and he's a hard guy to defend because he does so many different things. So I'm really proud of the way he's come along. I'm, I'm proud of the way he's, he, he leads this football team. He's being himself. He's having a good time out there, having fun. His teammates feed off this energy. And I think he's making the players around him who aren't household names like his wide receivers and that, he's making them better players, and that's what great players do. Warren Moon, Houston Oilers quarterback, and you had a long career, Warren. One of the things that uh... – everybody's looking to right now is Peyton Manning. I mean, you remember what it was like to play that last year, that last game. But what a great opportunity for Peyton to go out, right? Yeah, I think every quarterback or every player would love to be able to leave the game after winning a championship. And we've seen a lot of guys do it, whether it's John Elway or or, uh, the bus. Um, Jerome Bettis went out that way. So, And his legacy, I think, is set. What is it about Peyton Manning, Warren? Because you, as a quarterback, understand the responsibility on the field and off the field and how – being who you are as the quarterback 
can make such a difference in what you do in the community. What what has Peyton meant to the game, Warren? Well, he's been one of the best ambassadors of the game. We've seen what he does uh, on the field. We've seen his preparation. He's kind of changed the way quarterbacks prepare for games because of the amount of time that he puts in and the success that he's had. It makes other people want to emulate that. So there's no question he's a great example there. And then he's been very, very involved in the community wherever he's played. Um, just, just a tremendous uh, presence wherever he's been. A uh, great endorser. Uh, he, he shows a, a comedic side at times that we don't know that he has. So just a very, very talented guy that comes from a, a really good family, and that's where it all starts. It starts with that foundation of his family, his mom and his dad and his brothers. They're a very close-knit family, but a very successful family. Warren, I've been around the Seahawks for the last three out of four years at two Super Bowls and then at the playoff game that you were at that you called. I'm, I'm very impressed with the Seahawks organization, very impressed with Pete Carroll and his philosophy, not just on the field, but just the way he looks at life and how important he is to that community. Talk about Pete Carroll. What is it about Pete that you love? I love his energy, first of all. He's a man that's about 63, 64 years old, and you think he has the energy of a, a guy 35. He's the first guy out there on the field before games throwing the ball around. You just never see head coaches out on the field anytime before their football team comes out. And uh, he's just one of the most positive guys you've ever seen. He's always positive about everything. He never, you know, yells and raises his voice at guys. He just talks to them and gives them sound, good advice. And he lets those guys be themselves. He lets them show their personalities and uh, show what's on their mind, talk about what's on their mind, as long as they stay within the confines of what the philosophy of the football team is. He doesn't, he doesn't mind you being yourself, and he has a lot of different personalities on that football team, whether it's Marshawn Lynch or whether it's Richard Sherman or Michael Bennett or some of the other guys. He lets those guys be themselves, and, and then he's a guy that doesn't forget about others. You know, and He's huge in the military, always has military guys at practice, uh, making sure those guys are being recognized, and he, he does a great job with... Uh, with gangs trying to trying to end gangs uh, in different cities he started a, a foundation in los angeles and he's taking it up to seattle oh. and he, he just does a great job of, of not forgetting where he came from and taking his uh, celebrity and trying to do something positive with it and that's what i love about the guy the great warren moon is with us final moments warren i ha- wouldn't without i don't want you to leave without telling me about a guy we're in north carolina based I watched Russell Wilson play at NC State. He was a Carolina killer there, and he's been great as a Seahawk. What is it about Russell from a quarterback's perspective that you love? I love his maturity, the way he came in as a rookie, how prepared he was, how he already had a a, um, a program in place on how he was going to attack that job. You know, he, he how much time he put in the building. He was the first guy in there, the last guy to leave. Uh, he, he studied all the time, and he has tremendous confidence in his ability so I could tell during his first mini camp of a as a rookie when he came out of the huddle most rookie quarterbacks are still trying to figure out what they just called in the huddle because they want to know where everybody's in where everybody's going to be Russell came out of the huddle there was tempo all the time so you knew he had a good understanding of what he had just called and that's impressive for a rookie to be able to do that so he got off to a tremendous start he's a great competitor uh, and just very, very mature for a guy that was 22 years old coming in. And you into said it before, too, military dad, yes. uh, family. His dad really pushed him as a young kid, and, and I think that military background really helped him as far as keeping him on schedule, making sure that he was very disciplined in everything that he did. And his dad pushed him to be great, and he wanted to be great, and he always talks about it. He wants to be great, and he's well on his way to being great. Warren, is there something that you're here to talk to us about? Anything we need to know? 
Uh, I want to talk about uh, the concussion settlement yes. uh, with, with the NFL that's getting ready to come out of appeal, and it's going to be finalized here pretty soon. There's a lot of uh, retired players out there that are struggling in their lives from the injuries that they had during the game, whether they come from concussions or not. And there's money that's going to be available to these guys, but they have to know the process in order to get this money. And they have uh, they have to have their medical records in. They have to make sure they get their symptoms diagnosed. They, there's an application process they have to go through. And if they don't do it in a certain period of time, they will never get any money from this count, from this uh, this settlement. So we've developed a website called ForThePlayers.com and also a 1-800 number. It's 844-84-PLAYERS. And you can go to either one of those sources and find out or ask any question that you want to ask about the concussion settlement, what it's going to take for you to get involved so you can get the compensation you deserve as a retired player during that Give era. the website again and the timing on this, when they have to do it. Bud. The website is ForThePlayers.com. The number is 844-84-PLAYERS. And they'll have 180 days from the time that that appeal is final to get all this work done or they'll never be able to receive any compensation from it. So it's important that these guys look into this, look into legal representation, which is why I did it. And I want to make sure that these guys are going to get what they deserve from all the hard work that they put in during their playing days and the sacrifices they made with their health. Warren Moon on American Family Radio. Warren, thank you for coming in. So appreciate what you do. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, www.fspn.net, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel III. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.